Hey, Sam. Yeah, Don? What does G-O-D stand for? Get on down. <laughs> what? Oh, oh, uh, um, group of drunks? That's better. Good orderly direction? Where'd you hear that? I, I heard, heard it through, through the grapevine. Welcome. It's the AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour, featuring the collective voices of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm Don, an alcoholic in Greensboro, North Carolina. Hey, Don. Hey, everybody. I'm Sam, an alcoholic in Palm Springs, California. Sam, when I first came into AA, there were some things that seemed very strange to me. I didn't understand what was going on. I was new. Like, for example, I went to a meeting outside of the entrance to the meeting room. There were all these people standing around. I don't know, about seven people. And they were laughing. And they had these red Dixie cups, plastic cups that looked to me for all the world like they were having a keg party. (laughs) (laughs) But they weren't. They had, you know, Coke and Sprite in those cups. And they were standing around greeting people who walked into the meeting. And I walked in and was like going, this is strange. This is the end of my life. And these people are laughing and having a great time. It looked like a party. What seemed strange to you when you first came into AA that turned out to be different? Don, so first of all, I totally get that because, you know, hearing people laughing as I was approaching the meeting room and things like that, it just didn't, I mean, I'm not laughing. I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah. it's not funny. I think one of the first things that got me was it seemed like there was somebody in charge, the, the, the secretary I learned. You know, who was leading the meeting, gave me a meeting to one of the tools to read. And I thought, Ooh, this is something that they, he must recognize I'm new. This is something <laughs> yeah. people who are new. And then an information sheet. out loud. It was not an information sheet, but <laughs> it seemed like somebody was in charge. And what I found out was that this group of people were coming together to make this happen. No one was in charge. That was odd. And then another thing that got me was, wait a minute. You know what it was? What was it? It was a group of drunks. God was in charge. (laughs) G-O-D. God was in charge. But the other thing that got me, and and this took a little while, you know, I got sober in Greensboro where you are. In the South, especially, there's a lot of meetings in church basements. Yes. And to hear at some point in my first several meetings or so that, you know, AA is not a religious program. I'm like, but we're meeting in basements We're we're in the church. (laughs) Uh, And it just seemed odd, but you know, it's not, it's not a religious program. Uh, and, and, And those spaces are being rented by the AA groups. And churches give a good rate, rental rate for meetings. That's the reason that they're there so often. Another thing that happened to me, I went to a meeting at the beach. Later, I realized that what was going on was they didn't have the written tools to start the meeting. So they started as a group reciting the preamble all together. I was thinking, oh, no, in AA, this is going to be like school, and I'm going to have to memorize (laughs) a bunch of stuff. I I failed at school. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would be a little intimidating. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh my gosh. I remember a, a meeting that I used to go to closed with the third step prayer. And this was me years into recovery. And I didn't have the third step prayer memorized. Yeah. I know it now, but, yeah. <laughs> but, but that was a, a weird feeling. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that there's not a, th- well, it depends on your sponsor. <laughs> whether you have to memorize stuff or not. Yeah. Whether or not you get wrapped on the knuckles with a ruler, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Some are tougher than others. I'm not getting a sponsor. That's like a school marm. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, our guest today will be Dorothy H. She returned to AA after a two year hiatus. What exactly is a hiatus? Mm, some kind of hernia? <laughs> a, a large flowering lettuce with medicinal properties? <laughs> oh, wait, wait a minute. I, I looked it up. Hiatus, an interruption in time or continuity. So Dorothy broke time. She's a time lord. <laughs> I can't wait to hear about this. And in our periodic episode of Hashtag Heard in a Meeting, we discover a brand new AA paradox. Now that seems likely since our guest is a time lord. <laughs> is the paradox something like we surrender to win or we suffer to get well? We suffer all right. We are shivering denizens. As the book says, shivering denizens in his mad realm. Until we get sober. When the shivering denizens turn into shimmering denizens. That's not in the book. That doesn't mean it's not true, Sam. Well, I'll allow it. Hi, I'm Dorothy. I'm an alcoholic from Suffolk, Virginia. Um, My home group is the Happy Destiny group that meets on Monday nights at 7 here in Suffolk. Dorothy, thanks so much for joining us. Dorothy, when did you get sober? November 7th, 2010, the second time. The second um, time. I had a two-year intermission from the first time to when I went out and then when I came back in. What was the difference the second time? I was actually getting sober. I wasn't just not drinking for others oh. to save my butt. You know, it was, I was in the Navy the first time, a series of tragedies had happened. I was drinking every day. It was just total insanity. Single mother, two small children in the Navy and had a lot of um, ability to drink because I had a lot of people who made sure my children were not raised by this wolf. You said tragedy, so so you had good reason to drink. Well, In 93, well, first my grandmother, I'm her namesake. She was the person who, no matter what I did, even when I was drinking, loved me no matter what, always saved me, always made sure I had a place to land my feet. And she passed away in mid-June of 93. Three weeks later, my first husband, who we were separated at the time and my ship was underway, But he died in a car accident. Here I am, this 29-year-old widow with two children, people saying, well, why don't you get out of the Navy? I said, I got to support these kids. So I stayed in, but my drinking kicked up 
to a whole nother level. I mean, I was already an alcoholic, yeah. but I used to do the controlling, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, don't drink until you get off of work. Rules. Yeah, rules. I had my rules in place. But once that happened, I completely lost control. Yeah, lost control, threw away the rules. I had to treat through the Navy, which was what the original Betty Ford Clinic was kind of modeled on. I graduated from that. And then I spent 10 years not drinking. I was what I call sodriety. 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 I mean, I had great things happen. I met a man in the rooms. We ended up connecting. And my deal is I always take hostages. We got together, got married. He ended up with custody of his two. I had my two. Went 10 years until 2005, not drinking. After the first five years, I stopped going to meetings. Okay. I was never a part of AA, really. I liked the social aspect, but I didn't do any service work. I didn't become in the center of AA. Did you have a sponsor? Did you work the steps? Oh, no. Well, no, no. No, no, well, no. I kind of figured, <laughs> I, I, but I thought I'd ask. <laughs> yeah, I, I've had a friend who said it's hard to stay sober on fellowship and coffee. Yes. And meeting makers make meetings if you don't do anything else. There you go. And you weren't even doing that. No, no. At that point, my husband went out a little bit before I did. I was very mad at him because he didn't take me with him. He just decided to go off on his own. That's what I like to say. My two-year experiment intermission, you know, they say that um, it doesn't get any better, but it definitely did get a lot worse. And the day I came back in on November 7th, you know, the bottom wasn't like all these horrible things happened. It was my spiritual bottom was at the worst. I was suicidal. I wasn't sure how much longer I was going to last. So that's what got me back in the rooms. People don't have an idea. I mean, well, I say people. I didn't have an idea of what it meant to quit drinking. I thought quitting drinking was just putting down the bottle, not getting screwed up every night. And then my life would straighten out. A whole lot more is involved than just not drinking. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Well, I lived in Norfolk at the time. I was fortunate. There were people there that were here and remembered me from before. Mm -hmm. And this one lady who I adore her, she said, hey, how you doing? And I went to a meeting at noon already that day. Then I went to another meeting. I knew where the meetings were. She said, how you doing? Said, I'm messed up. And she goes, okay. And how did that work out for you? And what are you going to do now? I said, I guess I'm going to meetings and finding a sponsor and doing something. She goes, good. We'll make sure that happens. Uh-huh. Yeah. So right then you got pulled into the we part of this program. It sounds Absolutely. like. Yes. Yes. So what was your early recovery like in that second time, that second recovery? It was funny. I was trying to find a sponsor and everyone used to say, well, you already know what this is all about. You've been in before. I'm like, obviously I had no freaking clue or I wouldn't have drank again. So I am a newcomer, just like any other newcomer. So please don't feed my ego um, because that's no good whatsoever. I, I ended up getting a sponsor and about three months I got a sponsor. I started working the steps. And in working the steps, 
I started being of service in my home group. And I picked a home group right away, though, because I always knew I needed some place where they knew me. So what is a home group? A home group is a place where they know you and they can be a part of your life. It's been my experience. A home group is a place where, for me, it was about accountability. If I said I was going to be there to open the meeting, I needed to be there because if the coffee isn't made, nobody's happy. (laughs) Set up the books if if you're a book study. Become part of the service of your home group. Being your group's secretary or literature person or treasurer. I never was the treasurer. I didn't ever want treasurer. (laughs) You know, being a GSR or an intergroup rep. We've got an intergroup here in the Hampton Roads area. But just being there for your group. So something that you you talked about with that uh, when you came in and all these people knew you already. And yeah. so that new, newcomer-itis, which is when an old-timer becomes disconnected from the fellowship and then tries to, to get reconnected, it's really hard to do because everybody already knows you. You already know everybody, so to speak. And therefore, no one's reaching out to give you phone numbers. It's really on me. If I'm the old timer who's become disconnected, it's on me to get connected with these people because I'm not new to them. And I'm hearing that's the same thing that you experienced coming in Mm -hmm. uh, that second time. Did the service work within your home group, helping set up and things like that, did that help you overcome that? Absolutely. It was It was on me to say, hey, what's your number? Just in case I need to ask you a question about setting up the meeting or just say hi, because I don't have everyone's phone numbers. That was like four phones ago and I didn't (laughs) save them. It doesn't matter if you've been in only one time for one day or five times with various amount of days. It's still difficult to ask for phone numbers and say, Hey, is it okay if I call you? It's hard to ask for help. (laughs) Yes. You know, I don't want to be cliche, but it's real hard for me to ask for help because I like to give this idea of, I know what I'm doing, but I have no clue whatsoever. We like to look good, don't we? Yes. And that that vulnerability of asking for help is a tough thing to, to break through and then throw on top of it, you know more of that, that like to look good, that ego that Mm -hmm. comes into play for me is that meeting so many people in the rooms, there are a ton of people whose faces are familiar, but I'm not certain. And it's like, are you new or not? So I'm not going to introduce myself to you because I think that I'm supposed to know you already. That's true. And it's going to be insulting if you've introduced yourself to me 20 times and I still don't remember your name. So I'm not going to say anything. Uh, yeah, yeah. And at about five years, there's not a be- enough bandwidth in my brain anymore these days. So I was sick of saying, what is their name? What is their name? What I started doing was, I'm sorry, I have forgotten your name because I can't remember things. And they're like, I was going to say the same thing. So that helps. <laughs> you it sounds like honest. we're not alone. Yes. <laughs> we're yes. not unique. We are not unique. And that's My husband came back into the rooms too, and he sent me this, I guess it was a meme or a gif or whatever, and it has um, a bunch of forks all lined up, and one of the forks has a bent 
time. And it says, just because we are unique doesn't mean we are useful. <laughs> and being useful is a part of being a, in a home group. You know what? I, the way I think of a home group is the that's the place where I give back to AA. Mm-hmm. The other meetings is where I go and you know connect with other people. But the home group is the place where I'm responsible to make AA happen in my town. And that puts it on a whole different footing than it does going indeed. to get sober for myself. Well, and AA Home Group, because I happen to know you're in general service there, Dorothy, is also where my voice as a member of Alcoholics Anonymous, I get to have my voice in the general service structure of Alcoholics Anonymous. Yes, absolutely. My voice is biggest in the home group. We get less of a voice as long as we're going down. The upside down triangle at the bottom of the point. I I think that's very important. When I was asked to be the grapevine and literature chair for the area, I was told you have no opinion going forward. (laughs) I'm very grateful that I was told that because it's a very humbling experience to be at a committee meeting and say, okay, this is all in my head. All I'm doing here is trying to move this along. I, you can't say what you're thinking because that's not what your position is. I'm just facilitating the voice from the home group and the GSRs oh, I see. and all that. You give up the opinion because that comes from the groups. And instead, now, as you move into the structure and start doing something like be the, being the literature chair for an area, then you're carrying out the wishes of those groups. Right. Absolutely. And further, to to be in a position of service like that, uh, which is a position of leadership in Alcoholics Anonymous, to present an opinion can sway people. Yes. And therefore, it's important to be mindful of that so that people can come to their own group conscience rather than uh, than being swayed by the perceived authority, perceived in in quotes, perceived authority. Yes. The one thing I was really grateful about doing things on Zoom with the assemblies and our meetings and stuff like that was figuring out how we can do voting within the Zoom aspect. It was really awesome because nobody could see who raised their hands for what. Dorothy? When you came back the second time, you were doing things different to get sober. And you say that before it was sobriety and now it's sobriety. Correct. Now you've been sober 14 years, almost. Yes. What is sobriety like for you today? What is it that you're doing to stay sober today? Well, one, staying in service has been one of the most important things. But the most important thing is having a sponsor. I just got a new one because we had moved to Suffolk back in March. I know it's not that far away, but it's a whole different recovery from Norfolk to Suffolk. I looked for a new sponsor and she started me off from the blank page of the big book and said, this is what you know, nothing. We started going through the steps again, started reading read the forewords, read all the things before Bill's story, you know, doctor's opinion, everything. The thing is, I have a recovery program. I have all three aspects of the triangle, recovery, service, and unity. I am part of a home group. This month, I'm opening my home groups, opening up the meeting for the home group. 
I go to my sponsor so I can do recovery. I do what is asked of me in my service aspect from the area and other places. I show up for gratitude breakfasts and things like that. I am in the great big circle of AA now. And my recovery is truly amazing. It it reminds me how to keep everything green and stay fresh and be grateful for the fact that none of my grandchildren, and I've got four of them, have seen me take a drink. My children talk to me today. My mother talks to me today. I've got families that I was born into, and I've got my family that I have chosen, which is truly an amazing thing. That's great. It is fantastic. Why don't you stay and join us in a little, I guess you could call it a, we'll play our little game, pound sign, heard in a meeting. Recovery is not a game, Don. No, Don, that's hashtag heard in a meeting. We scour the interwebs for posts of cool things you've heard in a meeting. Post them on social media with hashtag heard in a meeting, keeping in mind our tradition of anonymity. Here's what caught our attention this week. The three phases of revenge are seethe, plot, and strike. You can go off the rails at any point. Forgiveness is just easier. Ooh, okay. Seethe, plot, and strike that I don't know, that kind of reminds me of um, when I react. If I get angry and something raises up, it's like ready, fire, aim. There you go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I need to break that whole process. I, you know, I don't want. I definitely don't want to seethe. Seethe. The very first one sounds like resentment to me. Yeah, that's the first thing I thought of was resentment. Me too. So I got to break that at the moment it happens. Yes. And then plotting is just feeding that resentment. Those deadly and, desires. And then when we strike, well, then that leaves me in a position where I'm going to have something that I just can't take that much of anymore. And that's the need to make amends. Yeah. <laughs> I do not like being in that position. I, I try to stay out of trouble so I don't have to make amends. I've started doing the pause. Is it really that important? Pause when agitated. Right. And if revenge is in my mind, I've got to be agitated. Yes. (laughs) And we're not talking like a washing machine here. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Read another one, Sam. Well, so one of the ones that I figured that Dorothy would probably really like was uh, the highest rank in recovery is servant. That's the one that kind of jumped out at me. I have been a servant to AA since I came back in 14 years ago. When my recovery program is a little off, I've always got the backup of service to get me back on the beam. That's where my gratitude really comes into play. Service is a huge part of my recovery. It's one of those things that shows up in all kinds of ways. But one way that I love to, to share with folks I like doing recovery conferences and I mean, roundups. Right. And one of the things that was recommended to me was to sign up as a volunteer at these things, particularly at the registration table, because you get to meet so many people at the very beginning of the conference. 
but being the introvert that I am, I also don't have to interact with them for very long. <laughs> it's a very short, it's the drive-through type thing. You get to be a very, very, very temporary extrovert. That's right. <laughs> That's really good for introverts. Yes, it is. Practice extrovertism. And I, I will 100% say the experience that I have had of doing that has changed my experiences of conferences. Conferences that I just showed up for and was just a participant, they, they were good, but they were so much better when I felt yeah. a part of the conference, a part of helping it happen by taking on a volunteer right. role, a service role. Well, it's by participating. Yeah. It's yeah. like when I go to a meeting, if I just sit in the back, and listen the whole time and then leave. I haven't participated and I've been watching it. The whole thing's at a distance. Yeah, sitting back there on relapse row is no good, Don. <laughs> One of the fringe dwellers. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I share something about myself, I become vulnerable. I let other people know me in some way and then I'm participating and then I'm in it. And the whole Absolutely. thing has more part. You know what I thought of with that? Um, the highest rank is servant. That's a new AA paradox. <gasps> and I love AA paradoxes. It goes along with surrender to win. What's another AA paradox? One that nobody talks about, but is very clear to me is we stay sober one day at a time, but we keep count. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And let's do one more. I'm on the road to recovery. I don't know if you ever finish recovering, but at least I'm on the right road. I like that one. You know, it, I'm on the right path here now. I'm not going to finish this. I'm, there is no destination, but there is a direction. And that is the good thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Hanging out with the winners. I don't know who isn't a winner who's in a meeting. Just being open-minded to just say, okay, I'll keep walking. If this keeps on working, I guess I got to keep on walking. The way I think of it is uh, like it matters which direction I'm pointing. We're not finished. We're works in progress. We recover, but we're never cured. There you go. This is some a speaker that I heard at a conference that I absolutely love. She closed with this, Lila from Los Angeles, and she had 42 years of sobriety at that time. And she said, trudge, we don't have to trudge down this road. We can dance it. <laughs> and I loved that. Enjoy the journey. Dance down the road. Sometimes we're going to trudge, but dance too. Yeah, why not dance? <laughs> Dorothy, this has been a real joy chatting with you today. Thank you so much for joining us. You are so welcome. I'm enjoying it. I built it up in my head and it turned out to be like, talking with some old friends because anywhere we go, we find a friend. So oh, that's right. It's true. I, I, it was awesome. AA is full of friends we haven't met yet. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag heard in a meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dorothy. You are so welcome. Was there a lot of excess drama in your life before you quit drinking? Sure. Being sober without living in the 12 steps is like being trapped in a soap opera. Let me guess. 
the young and the restless, restless irritable, irritable, and, and discontented. discontented. <laughs> <laughs> it's really not that funny. Thanks for joining us. The AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour is posted every Monday and is produced by AA Grapevine, Inc. We don't speak for AA as a whole. We share the experience, strength, and hope of members to help others recover from alcoholism. Podcast info, including how to call in, is at aagrapevine.org slash podcast. Find AA Grapevine on Instagram and the AA Grapevine channel on YouTube. All things Grapevine are available at aagrapevine.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit aa.org.